0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us this weekend. Whether you're clicking in or tuning in, whether it's on our website, fellowshipoftherockies.org, YouTube, or wherever, we just want to welcome you. And thank you so much for taking part in this service. And so actually this weekend, I'm starting a brand new series called Love in Action. Many of you know we've been journeying through the book of Luke and and we're in Luke chapter nine and we've been naming these different sections as far as a theme of what Jesus was teaching. And so now we come into a section of of scripture, we're entitled in this series, Love in Action. And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to look at this issue of of how to display this issue of love and and how 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 to make it active. And so Jesus begins talking to his disciples and helping them to understand this, helping us to understand this, that when Jesus comes into your life, when he transforms you he becomes Lord of all. It's just, it's just kingdom principles. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to look at this issue that Jesus is Lord of all. And maybe you've never thought about this, but when Jesus is Lord of all in your life, then he's Lord of your, of your, of your, your attitude, which we're going to look at this week, your attitudes, your relationships, your priorities, your, your prayers, your motives, your, your possessions, and then even your anxieties. And, and it's just simply kingdom of God principles and understanding that the kingdom of God is now, the kingdom of God is wherever God rules and he wants to be Lord of all in your life. Now many times we look at this issue of, of like attitudes and, and it's kind of threatening when we start talking about my, my attitude, but we know this about th- this issue. The, I mean there's a great importance the, the, and, and it's very productive when we have a good attitude versus a bad attitude. A good, a, a good attitude makes us effective in relationships, and, and it makes the home go better. It, it influences people in a positive way. And then when we have a bad attitude, it reduces our effectiveness, and, and it can dampen the enthusiasm of others. And, and so we've developed slang in this area, right? And we'll, we'll look at someone that has a bad attitude and say, you know what, you, you've got an attitude, uh, you, need, you need to change your attitude. You need an attitude adjustment. Uh, don't give me that attitude. And so we say that, and when we say that to people, they're usually shocked by that, right? I mean, I mean, you, you look at someone, and sometimes people, people are oblivious to this issue that they have, a, they have a bad attitude. At least they don't know the, the, deg- the degree to which their negative or spirit is Um, is negatively impacting others. They think of themselves many times as being realistic or or pragmatic or a little cynical at times, but you know what? They think, at least i tell it like it is. And, And so their attitude sometimes, sometimes they're shocked when someone looks at them and says, you have a bad attitude. They think, well, you know what? You just have a wrong perception of me. And one person with a bad attitude, we know this right, can negatively impact a family, can negatively impact a sports team, an organization, a company, um, or even a church. But when Jesus comes into your life and he totally transforms you, then, then he begins to work on your attitude, that's part of sanctification, and for many of us, for me included, working on our attitude becomes a lifelong project, right? It's part of sanctification, becoming more like Christ, and Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, he says this, he says, have this mind, uh, mind among yourselves, plural, in community, he's talking about in community, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I know people who have been in church all of their lives and they've never really caught on to this truth or the understanding of this truth. And and honestly, this is something the disciples struggled with and, and that Jesus is Lord, and when he's Lord, he's Lord of all, he's the Lord of our mind, he's Lord of our our thinking, he's a Lord of our, our behavior. And and so there this is evident in so many different incidents in, in Luke chapter nine. And and so today the title of this message is simply my attitude, and and if you're like me and like many others, it seems like that sometimes it's difficult to maintain a good attitude in the season that we're in. The loss of control, the loss of connection, the loss of structure, the unknowns that are out there, the news reports and everything that's going on. When I'm out in public, it seems like many, many people are struggling with this issue of just an attitude. And maybe we just need to be reminded of the teachings of Jesus. Maybe, maybe we've built up some false beliefs of what it means to follow him. Uh, the only way that I can relate this is just tell you just a real quick story, then we'll move on. But a, a friend of mine uh, is really into essential oils, and so you just kind of mention your ailment. I can mention an ailment, and he can I- mention or tell me the essential oil that will take care of that ailment. And so I've learned a lot from him about thieves and some other things, and, and I mean, he's, he really knows essential oils. And so I was just thinking about this issue, and, I'm th- and the other night I was thinking, I says, you know what? I've probably been using essential oils way before he he was born. Um, you know, it's peanut oil, uh, Crisco oil, and then my all, all-time favorite essential oil is bacon grease. I mean, if you're if you're from the South, you know this, right? We have a mason, mason jar in the refrigerator with bacon grease, and we can whip it out at a moment's notice. You heat it up, and it turns into one of the most effective and famous essential oils of all time. It makes green beans better. It makes eggs better. Fact is, it it makes everything better. But I can have a false belief about what essential oils are. The same is true as we can develop some false beliefs about what it means to follow Christ, what it means to be a Christ follower. So Jesus presses in. And I'm telling you, this, this sermon today, it's a little personal. He's going to talk about our attitude. He's going to talk about what it means to have the attitude of Christ when he's Lord of all. So four things just real quickly as we look at this. The first one is this. Our attitude should be a a humble servanthood towards our, our church family. Our attitude should be humble servanthood towards a church family. In other words, we understand that when we're in Christ, he has transformed us, he has changed us. Then then our mission in life is to like serve one another. It's an act of service, it's an act of following him. Verse 46 in Luke chapter 9, Jesus starts unpacking this. And he says this, verse 46, an argument arose among them. Talk about the disciples. As to which of them was the greatest? And so there must have been a couple of issues that were at play here with the disciples that were kind of working on their mind. And and one is they realized that, you know what? We're on the verge of something really, really great here. I mean, we've watched Jesus do some amazing things and and he has just told us that he's the Messiah. He just made this bold statement that said he's gonna build his church and, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's why we can follow Christ with boldness in this season. Listen, I'm telling you, Jesus will build his church and the gates of COVID, the gates of what we're going through will not prevail against the church. I mean, we can have great confidence that Jesus is building his church and he'll provide for his church. This isn't our church. This is his church. And as a result of that, we can trust him. He is just inviting us to come in and join him in what he's already doing. The kingdom of God is even advancing in this time. And so Jesus also had been performing some miracles. And they had witnessed that, the, the feeding of the 5,000, uh, the healing of Jairus' daughter. And, and so and they, they had witnessed, well, just three, James, John, and Peter had witnessed the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus had taken James and John and Peter up to the mountain. Remember that? And then it's the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Jesus' robe become dazzling white. Moses and Elijah appeared. They heard a voice from heaven that said, This is my son. Who am I? Well, pleased? listen to him. And so all of a sudden they knew what what they were the verge that they were on. It was the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was coming in. The second thought may have been really troubling to the whole group of disciples because they felt like not all of them were being treated the same. Peter and John and James seems like we're getting favored treatment. They had had the privilege to go into the bedroom of Jairus' daughter, and they they witnessed Jesus healing her, raising her from the dead, and the other disciples, they, they didn't get to go in. And so they just got to hear about it by secondhand infor- information. And, and the same three, Peter, James, and John, were selected to go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And, but the only difference there was Jesus turned to Peter, James, and John and told them, hey, don't, don't speak of this to anyone. And so now the other disciples knew something powerful or spectacular happened up there, but they didn't exactly know what. And and we know this, right? Perceived favoritism can stimulate some hard feelings. It can, it can stimulate some bad attitudes. And something's going to happen, but for the disciples, it just seemed like not everybody's on the same level. And so now you can understand what an argument is taking place with the disciples. They were all arguing about who's going to be the greatest, and the same things happen today in politics right before a politician is elected to office all of a sudden everybody begins like jockeying for position of proximity uh to the individual to the person who's going to get their ear who's going to who's going to be trusted who who's going to you know who's going to get inside information and and we we do this in sports right like whether it's athletes or fans begin having those arguments you know who's the goat who's the greatest athlete of all time and and people begin discussing that and in business, it happens. Who gets the boss's ear? Who gets the corner office? Who gets the highest salary? And in families, it can happen. Who is the favorite? And who's the greatest? And man, if we're honest, the same problem can happen in church. The ego is an amazing thing. It's a battle. This issue of who's the greatest. But our attitude is so supposed to be the same of Jesus Christ. Verse 47. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him... By his side, and said to them, Whoever receives the child in my name receives me, whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he, this is important, for he who is least among you all is the one who is great. You see, the disciples had this false belief about following Christ that the kingdom of God was going to come in by power, by force, <laughs> by, by political power. by some influential people in the community. And Jesus pressed back and said, just as I didn't understand essential oils, he's like, you don't understand what it means to follow me? That if you want to be great in my kingdom, you prepare yourself for serving people who in the eyes of the world don't matter much they're marginalized they're outcast Jesus helped them to understand he listen he loves everybody when i think of these scriptures the least of these scriptures i think some of our ministries here at fellowship of the rockies of just serving the least of these the prison ministry that you know pre covid we were sending teams of people into the, the Pueblo County Jail and they would, they would lead a worship service and play the video and, and then they would pray for inmates afterwards and minister to them. And after doing this for, for a while, Karen had all of the ministry partners over to our home and I just remember all the stories that night, the passion they had of serving the least of these. You know what that group of, of, prayer, of ministry partners would tell you? that they are more blessed being in that ministry than they could ever give to somebody else. I think of our children's ministry with Pastor Matt that even in COVID is is right now doing vacation Bible school and making sure kids are ministered to and families and all of those other things. I think of our missions in Haiti and, and Africa. I've been to both. In, in Haiti, we, we built a mission for children and then are an orphanage for children. Then in, 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 in Africa, uh, we built a church. We put in a water well. Uh, we've given them chickens and a garden and some other things. And we were just there, it seems like a lifetime ago with everything that's gone on. We, we were just there last year. I will never forget the last service. It may be one of the most impacting services I've ever been in in my life, and and we were in this in the church that Fellowship of the Rockies had paid for and actually built, and and many of the kids. I mean, there were like hundreds of kids in this room, and they're all piled in this room, and and many of them had accepted Christ. And <coughs> excuse me, many of them had accepted Christ, and and uh, it was important to our team that we laid hands on, prayed on. Prayed over every one of them and just pray a blessing. And I remember me doing it along with our team and looking around and, and watching team members just lay hands on the least of these, these kids and just pray for them and pray a God's blessing over them. I think of Go, our GO teams that, that have ministered to single moms. I think of single moms all change and what we've done in the community. And Jesus says, now, when, when you serve the least of these You remember you're serving me. You may not be great in the eyes of the world, but you have to be willing to disregard the status symbols of this world. Listen, I I know this is a hard concept for us to grab. It was a hard concept for the disciples to grab. I mean, they had to be reminded of this over and over and over. And I think sometimes we have to be reminded of this over and over and over. That this is what he has called us to. When COVID started, we developed a buddy system, and we, we called everybody in our church. We, we made 6,500 phone calls, and we asked basically three questions. How can we pray for you? And then do you need a buddy? Do you need to pair it up with someone that can help you, whether it's run errands for you, um, get meds for you, go to the grocery store, some, some of those things. And then if they said yes, we paired them up with a buddy. If they said no, we asked, well, w- would you like to be a buddy? And we have such a giving church, and we have such a loving church, but I, I'm telling you, I, w- I was a little shocked and, and kind of taken back when I realized that such a small, small number of people in our church that I'm, I'm willing to be a buddy. And I, I get it, I understand, some were intimidated by that whole deal, But I don't know who I'm going to be assigned to, I, I don't know what their needs are, I don't know what area, all of those other things. See, the disciples had stro- struggled with this as well. It was the end of Jesus' ministry. Actually, it was the end of his life. It was the last night of his life, and they're in the upper room, and Jesus overhears the disciples. The disciples are talking. fact is they're arguing. They're arguing again. See, this argument never died. They're arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, and so Jesus just went over and says, I've got to teach this again. And he goes, gets a basin of water and a towel, and he just quietly starts washing their feet. And then he just simply looks them in the eyes and says, just as I have washed your feet, you be willing to wash one another's feet. Kingdom principle, we're willing to serve the body. We're willing to serve one another. And we're willing to serve the least of these. The second thing is this our attitude should be a gracious acceptance towards other believers. Our attitude should be gracious acceptance towards other believers. So this is how we relate to other believers. Luke chapter 9, verse 49. And Jesus answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him. Because he does not follow us. In other words, he's not in our stream. He's not, he's not. And so watch this. And so verse 50, this is how Jesus responds. But Jesus said to them, do not stop him. For the one who is not against you is, is, is like for you. See, see, see. John has this reaction to an unfamiliar disciple, and it was really judgmental. It was really very exclusive. See, it didn't matter to John. John missed that whole deal that demons were getting passed uh, cast out, that people were getting saved, that people were meeting Christ, people were becoming Christ followers. It was just that, that John was unfamiliar with this guy. John felt like this guy wasn't with them, and so he regarded this guy really. When you look at this, he regarded this healer as a Competitor, and he tried to stop that. And you can see that same kind of thing of intolerance between churches, to where unfortunately sometimes churches look at one another as competitors when, like, we're all in this together. I mean, it's Kingdom of God principles where we're all in this together. And I'm so thankful for the network of pastors that I have in Pueblo. I mean, I am so thankful that before COVID, before quarantine, we were meeting together regularly. We were praying for them. We knew each other's names. We knew their wives' names. We knew their kids' names. We knew about them. We're joining together. We're praying. Listen, I'm telling you, through COVID, through quarantine, I, we have grown so close together that we have continued to support one another, encourage one another pray for one another, even resource one another where that is needed. Here's a crazy story, but when we went into COVID the first week of quarantine, we quickly bought an FM transmitter that would allow us to transmit our services to the parking lot in case we want to do parking lot services. And so we we received that, but as we started talking about that with our elders and the number of cars and the logistics and restrooms and how many people would come and all those other things, we just realized we had to back away from that because we just had too many people to manage to make that whole thing effective and go down. And so we just held on to the receiver. Well, like six weeks later, I had a pastor friend in town text me and says, hey, Charlie, I'm, I'm in a bind. I got a problem. We had already announced that we're doing parking lot services and this is like this is like Wednesday and the weekend's coming and we're scheduled to do parking lot services like 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 this weekend and and we ordered a a transmitter but it's been delayed because of shipping and some other things and I don't know what we're going to do by any chance do you have a transmitter laying around that we could use and I go you know what you're not going to believe this we got one just come get it, and Jesse McDonald, our TA guy, uh, helps. You know, got that to him and worked out the logistics of that whole thing. And so we were able to bless another church. And I had this thought: What if God had led us to buy that transmitter not for us, but for another church? It's kingdom of God principles. Because guess what? We are all in this together. And so, so John John answered, and 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 so the second principle is so the second principle is this. I've already given you the second principle. I I got caught up in that that illustration, verse uh, point three. Point three is this: our attitude should be one of patient tolerance toward towards hostile unbelievers. Our attitude should be one of patient tolerance towards hostile unbelievers. So watch this, verse 51, because a test of our faith is how are we going to handle hostile non-believers, hostile unbelievers. That's a test of our faith. And So watch this, verse 51, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, speaking of Jesus. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to take to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to, to, to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Do you, want us to, do you want us to flame them on social media? Do you want us to rebuke them on social media? And look what Jesus said. Jesus said, but he turned and rebuked them. He said, let's just go on to another village. And understand this, and those of you that are students of Scripture, you get this, you understand that. There was, there was some racial hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. It was obvious there were times that Jesus, as a Jew, would go into Samaria and eat with them and, and, and live with them and minister to them. But this time was different. This time was different because it said he had set his face towards Jerusalem. And, and for some odd reason, because they knew that his goal was to go to Jerusalem like Jewish headquarters... There was a group of Samaritans that it seems like it just appears that they wouldn't let Jesus live there and stay there and, and, and eat there. And they were very, very intolerant towards Jesus. They, they did everything they could to stop the work of, of Christ. And so James and John, and their nickname was like Sons of Thunder because of their violent temper and their love for just fighting and they could not tolerate the intolerance of the Samaritans. And so they said, Jesus, why don't we just do this? Why don't we just call fire down from heaven and just call it good? Remember when Elijah did that in the Old Testament? Maybe we could do that now. And, and let's, let's do the same. Let's just, let's just fry the Samaritans. Let's, let's let it be done. I mean, we, if we're honest, we can see this kind of thinking today. You know, I have a friend, and I've had him for a number of years, and built a relationship with him, and and I pray that one day he crosses over the line and becomes a Christ follower. And and he he just just about a couple of weeks ago he says he says Charlie, he said why is it that sometimes on social media whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, that Christians that are posting Scripture and talking about being Christ followers, are condemning groups of people and flaming them and I. I I just don't understand that. I mean, today, we call down flames from heaven through a cancel culture and boycotts and flaming people on social media and sometimes not not understanding the damage we're doing to advancing the kingdom. I mean, Jesus was the one that said that if you're only kind to those who are kind to you? Even the pagans do that. Here's the test for Christ follower. Can you you love and be kind to your enemies? Those who disagree with you politically or religiously? when Jesus was refused an overnight stay in samaria he didn't call down fire from heaven he said let's just go to another place Here, here's a little bit of bible trivia that is so fascinating it's an interesting fact about samaria by the way a few years later samaria became very responsive it became a very evangelistic field where people begin following Christ watch this Acts chapter 8 verse, verse 5 and it says Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was much joy in that city. You, you can read on later, and you'll read on later, and find that in the next session, section, many believed, many were baptized, both men and women. Man, I, I shudder to think, if the disciples had called down fire from heaven and destroyed the city, that group of people would never have had an opportunity to be saved, to be Christ followers. We, we just simply need to remember that those people who are hostile unbelievers today may be hot prospects for Christianity tomorrow. They are, more, they are more likely, I'm just telling you, please listen, they are more likely to be won by a patient Christ-like attitude than by one vicious attack after another. The Bible says that when a man's ways please the Lord, that even his enemies will be at peace with him. Really, when you look at this subject, it's not a matter of standing for truth, but it's a matter of standing for truth with the right attitude in the right way. Paul said we have to learn to speak the truth in love. The Bible says love is patient, love is kind. Love is not rude, love is not easily angered. Love always perseveres, love never fails. If Jesus is Lord of your life and if he's Lord of all, the fourth and last thing is this, our attitude towards him should be one of decisive allegiance. In other words, do we just make that decision? We say, you know what, we're going to follow him regardless. The next section of Luke chapter 9 records three potential followers that, that apparently faded or didn't make the cut or walked away. And so let me give you those, and we'll close. The first man I, I just labeled like, a, like, a, like a, a blessing seeker, a security seeker. And, and so watch this, verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever I go, but following Christ is more than just what we say. It's more than just what we came, come, proclaim. That when he comes into our life, he transforms us, he changes everything, and our attitude and our actions begin to change. And, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Apparently this man was quite accustomed to a comfortable lifestyle. And Jesus just made it clear, hey, following me, it's not going to be easy. They didn't stay, we don't stay in five-star hotels and, and our meals aren't catered in. And he says, if you're going to follow me, listen, all I can offer you is like a cross and no place to lay your head and sacrifice and persecution. Before you follow me, you better count the cross. I mean, you, you've got to learn to deny yourself and follow me. in some reason in Christianity today, we've taken the whole sacrifice deal out of this whole thing. We've made it all about us. we made it all about consumerism. The, the, the third guy was this. He was a pro- procrastinator uh, to follow him. Look at this, verse 59. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus them leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the, the, the kingdom of God. Now listen, in first reading, this can seem pretty harsh until you understand that this, this, father's, this, this man's father had not died yet. Because in those days, when when a person would die, it was their culture, because of of, of a lot of reasons, they would bury the individuals within 24 hours. And so this guy was evidently saying, Lord, I'll make that decision years from now. I'll make that decision when it's convenient. I'll make that decision months from now. I mean, right now I, right now, I can't make that decision. And, and Jesus answered and, was, and said, uh, let the spiritually dead bury the, the physically dead. And the spiritually alive should, should be busy right now proclaiming the good news. And the point Jesus was making was that, that in everything, there is a crucial moment. And that if that moment is missed, it will, it will, it will be just be done. It will never be done at all. And listen, this man had a stirring in his heart, and if he missed it, he may never respond again. The third man also volunteered, but he could not follow Christ because he was just hesitant. And still another said, Lord, I will will follow you, but first let me go back and just say goodbye to my family. And there's nothing wrong with loving your family, nothing wrong with telling people goodbye. But his request included days and weeks and months and years of, and he pleads for reconsideration. Listen to the commitment to Jesus. It must be one of decisive allegiance that exceeds all other priorities. I mean, verse 61, Luke chapter 9, here's what the scripture says. Yet another said, I, I will follow you, Lord, but let, let me first say farewell to those at, at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of god and jesus says when you put your hand to the plow and you began to follow him you you don't look back so that the it's a farming term so that the rows are are straight because when when you turn back you're going to you're going to have crooked rows and jesus is making a point that your attitude should be decisive or stubborn allegiance to christ and you no longer look back, you look, you look totally and completely at him. Jesus is Lord of all. And Jesus is Lord of our attitudes. And this is something we need to be reminded of over and over and over, especially in this season, how quickly our attitude can go south because of loss of control, loss of connection, loss of structure. Are just the unknown, but when we follow Him, we can trust Him. Would you bow your heads with me and just just pray with me? And let me ask you a question: What is God saying to you as a result of this message? More importantly, what what, what is your next step? What is what is He asking you to do? Maybe maybe you're listening to that and, you, and you're a believer, and you just need to be reminded of your of your attitude, and you just need to check your attitude. And make sure you have a good attitude versus a bad attitude. Maybe you just need to be reminded that he has called us to serve and he's called us to a sacrificial life. He's taught us to follow him. And maybe your next step is just making a commitment, a recommitment to him, a deeper commitment to him. Maybe your next step is this, is to where you say, you know what, I've got to work on my inner life. And i got to work on Scripture and just devotion and prayer. i got to work on my inner life so that, you know what, I can sustain a good attitude, a Christ-like attitude. Maybe you're listening to this and you say, you know what, I, I don't know Him. And I've been putting this decision off for a lot of different reasons. And maybe for you, your next step is simply this, just praying a prayer and asking to come into your life and forgive you for your sins and give you the gift of eternal life say, God, I I, want to follow you and I want to follow you in this time. Man, if that is you, we'd love to know about that. We'd love to pray for you. There's a live prayer button. If, if you're watching the sermon live, you can click that. Someone will join you in a, in, a, in a virtual prayer room, and they will text with you back and forth. They will pray for you. Uh, if, if, it's not, if, if it's not live and you're watching this on demand, there's a couple of things you can do. You can fill out a Connect card. Um, you, you can request prayer, and we would love to pray for you. However, we could help you. Let me pray for you before we go. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that you are Lord of all and we can trust you this day. May we trust you. May we know the peace of Christ. Your word teaches us that, that the man or woman that sets their full attention on you will be in perfect peace. May we do that. And whatever you're leading us to do, may we just simply take a next step and call it good. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us.